welcome to the Bikers Church Midrand Podcast. It's great to have you join us for this week's episode. We hope that you find this valuable for your daily life. Welcome and thank you for joining us again this morning. It's so good to just be able to connect with you again. Sometimes there's a misconception that as a Jesus follower, your life is supposed to be nothing but moonshine and roses. And a lot of people believe that as Jesus followers, our lives are nothing but moonshine and roses. You may have even met people like that who try to project that. Uh, It's the how are you doing when uh, the person responds and says, Ah, bro, I'm too blessed to be stressed. And all you can think to yourself is, But I'm a Jesus follower, but I'm definitely not too blessed to be stressed. Like, i got stuff going on in my life. And if you're not a Jesus follower today, maybe this is one of those reasons why you're kind of repelled from being a Jesus follower because you kind of feel like there's maybe this facade or there's this, there's this, there's this fake front that's put up in those moments that just can't be real. And there's a musician, a singer-songwriter by the name of Zach Williams, uh, and he's got this song called Less Like Me. And here's what he says. He says, Oh, I have days I lose the fight, try my best, but just don't get it right. While I talk a talk that I don't walk and miss the moments right before my eyes, somebody with a hurt that I could have helped, somebody with a hand that I could have held. When I just can't see past myself, oh Lord, help me be. A little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith. A little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. And I think he speaks into this misconception that somehow as Jesus followers, we just have it all together all the time and that hardships don't come our way. And sometimes this misconception pushes a belief that as Jesus follows, we don't have problems. When in truth, we do. We have problems. We face hard times. We face challenges. Sometimes our problems are self-inflicted, as Mr. Williams so aptly said. Man, there are these moments in my day where I'm presented with an opportunity. I don't take it, or I just look right past it, and I just need less of me, and I need a little more of Jesus to come through. These problems can be self-inflicted. Other times, our problems (laughs) come from external sources. They come from, from... from things that are going on around us. And maybe, maybe today you're in a space where you're actually disappointed with God. Like like maybe this misconception actually speaks into why you are disappointed with God. Maybe this has caused a disappointment in your heart towards God. Because somewhere along the line you were sold 
on the idea that, hey, come and be a Jesus follower. And as you're a Jesus follower, all your problems will disappear. (laughs) So you did. And they didn't. (laughs) And they're still there. And you're disappointed. But the truth be told is that Jesus himself never said to us that if we follow him, our problems would disappear. No. In fact, here's what he said to us. He says to us that here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome this world. So here Jesus says, hey, you're going to face trials. You're going to face sorrows. You're going to face hardship in life. It's going to happen. But I'm not going to let you go through it alone. I'm there, and hey, I've actually overcome it on your behalf. It was Andy Stanley who says, Jesus makes life better and he makes me better at life. And I feel like that is a far more accurate representation of what we should be thinking. Are we going to face trials? Are we going to face troubles? Are we going to face all these things that will come our way? Yes, we will. But in those moments, Jesus makes life better and he makes me better at life even in those moments. So yes, sometimes there is this misconception that as Jesus followers, our lives are nothing but moonshine and roses. When in reality, we've just been given night vision to be able to navigate our way around the thorns in the dark. And this night vision that we're given is these, there are these two lenses, this lens of grace and this lens of gratitude. See, grace and gratitude are absolute game changers in our lives. When I recognize God's moment by moment grace on my everyday life, I start to to love from a point of gratitude because of it. And it starts to change my focus. You see, grace and gratitude changes my, my, my perception. It changes my point of view. It changes my focus in life. Now, don't let the gray fool you. I'm not really that old. But the longer I do life, the more I realize this, is that my focus will determine my destination. My focus will determine my destination. If my focus is on all the severity of the the hurt and the hardship and the harshness of life, then my destination will resemble that. And and it'll lead to a life of bitterness and resentment. And I know you don't want to live there. I know I don't want to live there. And I know you don't want to live there. 
But if my focus is adjusted through the lens of grace, then my destination will resemble that. And I'll start to live a life of gratitude. And I believe that those are the sorts of lives that we want to live. It's, it's said that your accent will reveal where you're from. That, that, that as you're engaging with people, they will know where you're from by your accent. Isn't that so true? So if I had to speak to you about going to the servo in my youth, you'd know that I'm from Australia. Or if I spoke to you about going to the, the, the gas station in my pickup truck, You'd know I'm from America. Or if I spoke to you about going to the petrol station in my bucky, you'd know I'm from Bloemfontein. <laughs> Isn't that true? Like our accents betray us, don't they? <laughs> and there's a saying that says this. It says, grumbling will be the forever accent of hell. <laughs> and gratitude, the forever accent of heaven. I wonder today, ladies and gentlemen, like, what does the accent of our hearts say about us? Like when, when people engage with us, what's the accent of my heart saying about where I'm coming from? That's what I love about King David. I, I love the accent of the heart. I love the accent of the life of King David. Did he have it all together? Not by a long shot. Did he get it all right? Not even close. Did he face some pretty insanely harsh times in his life? Most definitely. Even the loss of one of his own kids. But yet this accent of his life speaks of this grace and this gratitude throughout his life. We are so privileged to be able to have the writings of David all compiled together, his songs, his poems, and even just like his, his most um, intimate thoughts. Uh, sorry, pause, next, take two. <clears throat> I've mumbled through that way too much. <clears throat> You're still good there, Duncan? Okay. We are so privileged to be able to have David's writings all wrapped up together, his poems, his songs, and just his intricate thoughts, uh, all wrapped up in what we call today the book of Psalms. And in one of his songs, we really just get to again engage with this accent of his heart. And here's what he says. He says, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Now I want to just hit pause there very quickly because as I read that, doesn't it sound so much like what Jesus said to us earlier on where he said, yeah, you're going to face troubles. You're going to face all these things, but hey, I've overcome this world. And here David's saying, yeah, you're going to face oppression. <laughs> You're going to face times of trouble, but hey, in those times, 
God will be your shelter. God will be your refuge. He carries on. He says this. He says, those who know your name trust in you. And again, I want to just hit pause there for a moment because this is, again, one of those moments where our English language just kind of lets us down. Uh, because how many of you would know the name Mike Tyson? Like, most of us would know the name Mike Tyson. But that doesn't mean that we have, like, an intimate knowledge of the personage and the character of Mike Tyson. We may be able to take some stuff that's come out over news media and stuff and, and, and make our own assumptions, but we don't know for real. We don't know the man for real. We don't know the intricacies of his personage and his character. And what David is talking about here isn't that kind of knowing of just knowing the person's name. No, David here is talking about us having an intimate knowledge of the person and the character of God. Because that word know is this little Hebrew word yada. And yada speaks into an intimate knowledge of the person and the character of that an individual. So specifically here talking about us having an intimate knowledge of the person and the character of God. And then he says that when we have this intimate knowledge of the person and the character of God, then we will trust him. Why? Well, this year my wife and I have been together for, for 18 years. We've been married for 14 years. If someone had to come and make an accusation against her to me that spoke against her character, it would be very easy for me to shrug that accusation off as hearsay or gossip or just a flat out lie. Why? Because I have intimate knowledge of her person and I have intimate knowledge of her character. So in that moment, I would be able to snuff out something that went against her character very quickly. And that, I believe, is really, <clears throat> excuse me, what David is busy saying right here. Is that when we get to know God, we're invited into this knowing God. That no matter what life throws at us, no matter what our circumstances, no matter what's going on around us or what, what external um, sources are busy, busy bringing into our lives, when we start to wonder where's God's role in this, we understand that whatever comes our way that speaks contrary to the character of God as we've come to know Him, we can dismiss as not from him, but that in those moments he becomes our shelter and our refuge because we can trust him. David carries on and he says, For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. You see, ladies and gentlemen, you've probably heard me say this a thousand times, but I don't believe that God ever gets scared of our questions. I don't think that God ever gets angry when we doubt. I believe that God actually welcomes us in when we have questions. I believe that God invites us in when we have doubts. Because when we have questions and when we have doubts, it means that we are 
searching. And he invites us to come and search in him. He says here, for you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. And as we search for God, as we search out with our questions, with our doubts, and we come to God and we search for these things in him, he meets us in that place. And it says he does not abandon us in those moments. No, he embraces us. See, it's in religion that we buy into someone else's idea of who God is. But it's through Jesus that God makes it possible through relationship with him to get to know his person and his character intimately. David views his life through these lenses of grace and gratitude. And as we've spoken about grace and gratitude, <clears throat> what is grace? Grace, a Bible school lecturer of mine always used to refer to grace as the, the unmerited favor of God. <clears throat> Excuse me, the undeserved favor of God. And that's really what, 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 what David recognizes here is he's going, man, I don't, I don't deserve God's forgiveness. I don't deserve God's love, his compassion, his care. I don't deserve any of this, but he gives it to me anyways. He gives it to me freely. And because he gives it to me, I live in a space where I'm just overflowing with gratitude toward him for it. When we go and look at the definition of the word gratitude, it means the qualifying of being thankful, sorry, the quality of being thankful, a readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. As I read grace and I read gratitude, I start to see something that both of these have an input and they have an outflow. And that is so important for your life and for my life. Because you see, anything that only has an input and doesn't have an outflow becomes a swamp. It, it starts to stink. It starts to fester. And I think so often we get so hung up on our own hurts, our own pains, our, the stuff that's going on in our lives. Because all we have is this input, even if it is just an input of pain or, 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 or heartache. But there's no release. There's no, there's no outflow. And I believe if you're in a space right now where you're really going through, through some real grief, some real pain, that these tools, these two lenses of, of grace and gratitude would be so good for you to embrace in your own life because not just is it something that can be poured into your life, but it also gives you an outflow, a relief in your life. You see, when I engage with God's grace, I need to accept it. I need to say, yeah, I accept this grace. But at the same time, there's going to come a moment where I'm going to have to give that grace to people around me. And as I accept this grace and, and engage with God's grace for my life day to day, this undeserved favor, it starts to cultivate an accent, a heart accent of gratitude in my life. 
And again, that gratitude is another outflow that I can engage with, where, where I start to behave in a grateful manner toward people. I start to behave with acts of kindness because they deserve it. No, because I've received grace, I'm grateful for it. So I'm going to give it and I'm going to live in a way that I believe God is asking me to live in this moment. And all of a sudden I become this channel that God's grace and his mercy and his love and just the reality of who he is gets to start working through and flowing through. And it's demonstrated through my gratefulness and my gratitude for who he is. And it starts to pour out kindness and love and grace and all those beautiful things on the people around me. See, when I start living in that space, I start to repeat the words of David as he spoke them in Psalm 9. I start to live this thing out. My life starts to demonstrate this where I can with confidence start saying, the Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Why? Because I've experienced it. Those who know the name of the Lord, those who know your name, those, those who, who know that, that, that you intimately, your personage, your character, because I know your character, I can trust you. For you, O oh Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. It was St. Augustine who said it this way. He said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Again, David speaking to us in one of his, his, his thoughts that he jotted down in, in Psalm 34, where he says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. You may be in a space today where you're brokenhearted and you feel like your spirit has been crushed. It's good news. David, having gone through plenty of that in his lifetime, says to you, in my experience, God is close to you. In that moment, God is close to you. I wonder today, ladies and gentlemen, what's your next step? What's your next step? Maybe today, as we've spoken through this, you recognize that, hey, maybe the accent of my heart... <laughs> doesn't quite reveal the, the, the best of places that I may be coming from. And I recognize that that needs to change. So I, I want to change the place that I'm coming from. I want to change the accent of my heart that people are coming into contact with. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you, just get to know him. Take that invitation that, that David gives and, and just get to know him. And as you get to know him, you'll get to know his character and, 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 and who he really is. Not someone else's version of him, but who he really is. And as you experience that, life starts to change. Just get to know him. Maybe today, you're in a place where you recognize that, hey, I need to choose to take up 
those two lenses. I need to choose to take up that lens of grace. I need to choose to take up that lens of gratitude. And that as I do, that through grace and gratitude, God will start to change the accent of my heart. What's your next step today? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for us just being able to come and to connect to, to a, a life that, that, that lived this out so beautifully, Lord, starting with your son, Jesus, and then moving into David and just seeing how his life just spoke of your grace and, and, and overflowed into a life of gratitude toward you. Lord, I thank you that today, Anyone who is, who is brokenhearted, anyone who is hurting, anyone who is taking strain because of stuff that's happened in life. And we do not today in any shape or form diminish anyone's pain, Lord. But Lord, I thank you that it's in those moments that you stand and welcome us in to relationship with you. That even if there are doubts, even if there are questions, Lord, so often, I know, as humanity, we, we get nervous in those moments because we feel like you'd be angry or, or, or harsh toward us. When in reality, in those moments, you welcome us in to really get to know you, get to know your character so that we can learn to, in those moments, trust you. So, Lord, today, as folks are taking their next step in their faith journey. I thank you that you do not abandon those who search for you. And as people search for you, that you meet with them, that you engage with them, that you lead them in your grace, that you, you produce your gratitude in our lives, Lord. Father God, and that ultimately you change the accent of our hearts, an accent that speaks into the reality of your son, Jesus. We thank you for that. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. We trust that you have a great week and we look forward to connecting with you again next week. Cheers. We trust that you found this message valuable. For more information on who we are or how you can get involved, please check out our website at bikerschurchmidrand.co.za or connect with us through social media on Facebook or Instagram. Beyond that, have a great day.